Hi guys, and welcome to this episode of Block Party. We have a special guest for you today. His name is Eric Schneider, and he comes from the fast-paced New York City startup scene. He's here today to speak on behalf of Foundershield, a startup insurance brokerage that insures some of the riskiest and fastest growing companies in the space, ranging from crypto and blockchain, fintech and SaaS, to startups in the cannabis and agriculture sector. Some of their clients have included Robinhood, Helix, WeTrust, and Halo Labs, just to name a few. Eric shed some light on how Foundershield partners with insurance providers to broker products for these high-risk companies that would otherwise have issues getting insurance. We also talk about how Foundershield separates itself from typical insurance brokerages through building relationship with its clients, how they've been successful doing this, why insurance is important for these companies, and the future for their team. So, without further ado, here is the Foundershield episode. with us. Um, one of my personal friends introduced me. Eric, we are pleased to have you with us today. Yeah, no, happy to be here, guys. It's awesome. 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 Um, Eric, you know, I'm going to do a quick intro, but then after that, I'm going to let you take the take the lead. So, um, you know, we, we, uh, we're going to discuss some interesting stuff today. We're going to discuss blockchain, cannabis, insurance, um, as well as, you know, some fast growing rapid tech startups. But um, let me give you a quick intro. Um, Eric Schneider, he joins us today from Foundershield. And essentially, this is an insurance brokerage aiming to help rapidly developing businesses get coverage for their organizations across many different industries. And that's the, that's the boilerplate uh, introduction from their website, but I'd like Eric to, uh, to expand upon that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks for the intro, guys. Um, so we are a fully tech-enabled insurance brokerage just taking a different approach to what we feel was a very inundated, archaic industry as a whole. Um, really, our goal was to service a specific you know, sector of companies, specifically startups, rapidly growing technology companies, You know what we see the future to be. Um, and we wanted to partner with those companies early on and help them grow. Obviously, we grow with them, right? Um, year over year, we've been around for, you know, six going on seven years now. We've grown 2x every year. We're at 35 employees, fully ramped up. And, uh, the future looks great and, uh, definitely excited to be here. Um, you know, what we do on a day to day, um, by and large, we are an insurance brokerage, but, what we feel is a competitive advantage for us really is our backend technology. It's our online platform whereby our clients Eric, interface. just for our audience, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna cut you off and not, not to be rude. Yeah. Um, you know, insurance brokerage, when you say that, uh, what does that mean? Um, what, what is an insurance brokerage? Yeah, no, 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 I'm sorry, sometimes I get a little yeah, yeah. No, and, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure I, I didn't even know what insurance broker is. Yeah. So, 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 you know. So, so we are essentially an intermediary between the insurance carriers who are those providing the actual products, the actual coverage and insuring the businesses. And what we do essentially is we interface with the clients. We gather all their information. We represent them in the marketplace to accurately depict what their business models are and to essentially sell their business to the underwriters and say, Hey, listen, this is a good investment. This is a good risk. 
you need to provide coverage for them because they're a growing business. These are the reasons why. So, you know, we very much so represent our clients in the marketplace to help them get coverage. So let's uh, let's use like a, a real life example. Let's say yeah. Black Party, me and Chris were worried. I mean, even though I feel like a podcast is a super low risk business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, we're interested. We, we want some uh, insurance. Who would we go to? We go to you. I know you're the account exec. You yeah. have to interface with you on some level, man. Yeah, absolutely. So we do a ton of SEO, social media. Um, I would say a large portion of our business is inbound leads just derived from our marketing campaigns. Um, so essentially you go on our site, log in, create a client account. It's pretty seamless. Um, you know, you check off what coverages that you want to do. We have different packages for companies at different stage. You know, we have, you know, one to 10 employees, 10 to 20, 50 plus, um, all different packages and basically recommendations on what you may need. And then from there, you know, if you have some inkling of what you need, you check off. It will pre-populate all the applications you need. It's a lot of yes, no questions. And, you know, for those who are not familiar with the insurance industry, typically it's, you know, a PDF document that gets emailed to you. You got to handwrite all the applications. And I know it can sound silly, but it's very tedious, time consuming. Oh, yeah. And insurance is tedious, bro. I feel like my brain goes hand in hand. Exactly. So, again, we wanted to really just try to streamline the process for our clients. So, and then once they provide the submission, um, obviously we get notified and an account executive reaches out to them within, you know, five hours to have a further conversation to learn about their business, make sure that there's no gaps with the coverages that they picked out, provide recommendations and just next steps. Um, and then from there, that's when we really start the quoting process. Okay, and um, the, the quoting process, I know I, I saw some big names on, on your guys' website, man. If you could, Chris, if you could scroll. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I see this, yeah, the bootstrapper. That is that the is that where the coding starts? Like the uh... yeah. So these are just the different packages that we kind of you know guide our clients with. So it says like one to ten employees, ten to fifty, fifty plus. Just that's really just more like recommendations, because um, obviously a lot of it is like complete jargon to a lot of people. And exactly. We completely understand that. And for our listeners yeah. who can't see, um, it's basically four different tiers, going from uh, I believe one to ten. Then uh, 10 to 50, 50 to, you know, 200, is it? 50 plus? 50 plus, yeah, so three yeah. tiers. But yeah, I mean, that's just, again, it's just more of a guideline to help people just facilitate the process and make it more approachable. Because um, over the course of the yeah. uh, last five, six years that you guys have been really at this, uh, do you see uh, a lot of, uh, uh, where, where's the largest amount of people, uh, employee-wise? that are the company, the clients that you are representing. So when you say employee-based, like of the companies, yeah. itself, I would say most of it is, again, it's more like tech developers, like or those early stage companies who are just really trying to get there. It's like different tiered, right? So they have like the tech developers who are just trying to build out the platform, whatever it is. You have the C-level employees, which is really cool about my job is, you know, we're dealing directly with CEOs a lot of times and, yeah. you know, the CFOs of the companies. And then as they grow and scale, you start to integrate operations teams, supporting those people, salespeople. Um, but really we deal primarily with, you know, the C-suite um, level people in the company. Of course, of course. Awesome, yeah. And uh, just for our audience, just a little bit of background by Eric, a graduate of John Hopkins University, uh, Cary Business School. Um, he has some experience with companies such as AG Morgan and JP Morgan. Um, so 
going back to Chris, how did you get involved with, uh, with Foundership? Man? Yeah, it's interesting. So I was in the financial services industry for two years, had my Series 7, 66, was a, Those you, are know, tough. you know, license, <laughs> yeah, I was a licensed, uh, licensed financial advisor. Um, just really after a while, felt like it wasn't for me. Um, just made a decision to kind of get out of the financial services industry. But still, like one, this I still want the same like the financial services industry, just not with financial investment, right? So, right. Um, insurance was something that I was looking into, and you know, I'm a big what if guy. So I think that's like you know part of what insurance is, right? It's like what if this happens. So it's something that I believed in, and I was just looking for a new change, and you know, not having to wear a suit and tie every day and be stiff and not be myself. So. Founder Shield was a place that I just kind of stumbled upon and, you know, seeing what the culture was, everybody is essentially like a large family. Right. Um, you know, last August we had a company party, we had a pool party, like our CEO like interacts with all of us and, you know, it really is more like a family and, you know, we work our behinds off, but we all want to be there. So, um, definitely fortunate to be there, proud to be there and, you know, happy to see what the future holds. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's that's good to know. That's definitely like that's what I like to hear when I hear about you know startups. I don't want to hear like, oh, you know, it was it wasn't fun or it's not. It's, it sounds like you leveraged your financial experience um, to really add benefit to a uh, founder shield. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, Just knowing that both you and I come from like that that startup that startup culture as well, and it's it's quite different. I mean, New York startup culture must be different comparative to like the rest of the world. But I would say the difference between New York, because uh, I was in San Fran for a little bit, um, between New York and San Fran uh, tech culture is that New Yorkers know that at the end of the day you have to make money for your business. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> San Francisco is like totally about all that. Yeah, but I'm assuming just like that 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 corporate culture that you guys have is something that's obviously felt by your clients. You guys absolutely are that close knit family, and I'm pretty sure you're trying to inspire that same close knit family mentality with the uh, clients that you guys uh, reach out to. Yeah, 100. Right? Like we don't like we always like stress that like I don't want to just place coverage for you and just like basically then after that not be a part of you know your guys' business. We like to like partner with our clients, be like almost like a risk manager for them. So it's just much more than just placing policies and getting you insurance. It's providing you with advice when you have contractual requirements with, you know, certain like major, um, you know, enterprise level companies and just navigating, you know, new exposures as you guys grow and scale, you know, what do we need to tweak? What do you, what should you be doing with your terms of service? You know, things like that. So not really just only, an insurance broker, but more like a risk manager that we try to, you know, deal with our clients as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if this applies to uh, to foundership, but do you guys uh, form somewhat, you know, like a, a partnership sometimes with your ongoing partnerships, sort of with your uh, with your clients as well, sort of like, um, you know, not just providing insurance, but seeing how you can, you guys can work together in the future. That's something you guys actively doing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely more insurance focused, but I think there are like a lot of ancillary benefits around it. Um, like we actually do a ton of. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's a part of like our program services. So like every month we do a monthly newsletter for our clients where we feature like ten of prospering clients and we sh you know shine on what they're doing right now, what their plans are in the future. You know, trying to get them a little bit of publicity and marketing as well. So, you know, we definitely try to help them grow in other ways, um, but that goes into like our marketing efforts and just showcasing our clients a lot of times. Cause nice. we have a big outreach of like, you know, 5,000 
VCs, startups. So, you know, that gets blasted out to all of them. So it's, you know, it's good for our clients. It's, you know, obviously good to show them. And we also do a, um, um, once a month, we do a company check-in. So it'll be like, you know, so-and-so at the company, you know, they just went on this vacation, came back, blah, blah. blah. So it's just like giving our clients an insight that, you know, we're not just a business where people, you know, we're friendly with them and, you know, drilling it down to more on a personal level, not so much as like a strictly business relationship. Um, and I think that, you know, relates to a lot of our clients because again, um, insurance can be a very, you know, I'll, I'll be frank, a little on the boring side. So we try to liven it up and make it interesting for our clients. And I think we're doing a good job with that. So, so, um, you know, I, I'm not going to argue with, with that, but what I am going to say is, um, Besides, you know, the boring part, insurance is definitely a multi-billion-dollar industry. It's definitely not boring in the, in the yeah. lucrative aspect. Yeah. So you know, um, I mean, multi-billion. You're seeing some established players in this game. Um, you know, why? Why did Founder Shield? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry if you already told me, but how old is Founder Shield? In terms of six, uh, six years going on. Six years. So you know, you guys are taking on some big incumbent players. Like, yeah. Well, did you guys see something in terms of disruption in the marketplace? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting story. So Benji, our CEO, was working at a VC company and he was tasked with finding insurance for all the portfolio companies for that VC. And what he found was just, it was a brutal process, very difficult. The client service just wasn't there, what it should be. And finding like adequate coverage at an affordable rate, obviously startups, we understand that they have high burn rates. They don't really want to invest, you know, in something that they hope they don't have to use. And we completely understand that. So we definitely found that there was a niche in the market. Um, we found that, you know, these new emerging technologies, these companies you want to partner with because we have a mutually, you know, beneficial relationship as they grow and scale, so do we. Right. Um, right. So I think it's definitely something that wasn't being focused on. And I feel like, you know, we definitely, um, you know, came into the industry at the right time where startups really started to, you know, boom and VC investment into this world started to, you know, really ramp up. So I think it was just an appropriate time and they saw an opportunity and seized it. And, you know, we've been doing great every year, like I mentioned, growing 2X. So um, definitely it was from a personal experience of Benji that uh, that definitely worked out. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I think, you know, I can't think of, I'll be honest with you, Chris, can you think of any other uh, startups or any other companies even? I mean, the last the last one in insurance, yeah, like the last one I would have to think is like e-surance, but like they came with that high like disruption model of doing something that was completely digital. So I just, I think in comparison to uh, just like all these old players that it's, it's a super, uh, ambitious thing to do to yep. step into insurance today and it's just uh it's impressive what you guys have been able to accomplish like even just looking at all the different uh looking at all the different companies that like you guys represent uh you guys go from cannabis you guys do fintech all these different type of companies yep. all really came to you and trusted you trusted you so i i really do see that as not only a, a vote of confidence in the way that you guys work as a company, but in your ability to just represent the best interests of the companies that you actually uh, represent. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, there are there are a few other players like in in the insure tech space, um, but really, I think 
they're more focused just on the pure tech piece of, you know, and we thought that it's still a very much so relationship business, you know, you still want to trust that person. So we definitely wanted to take, you know, and use, utilize our technology more for like backend purposes, streamlining processes, but still maintain that client service component, which is, you know, really important as well. So making sure to hammer that human element. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And that, that's literally what I was going to ask next. It was like, are there any, you know, failures that you guys saw of the current insurance industries besides, you know, the fact that they didn't cater to, or they were, I guess, risk averse. It's funny, as ironic that is, uh, from you know early stage startups, or they maybe they didn't see a market opportunity, whereas you guys did. Or yeah, I think I think what we've done a good job at is learning our clients' business models and learning about the different types of technologies, whether it be fintech, SaaS, you know, on-demand space, peer-to-peer, like TNC, all the rideshare, like things like that that are emerging markets. And I think that we've educated ourselves on what the intricacies of those are. I just saw uh, Robin Hood on one of your FinTech uh, yeah. clients. That's, 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 a, that's a very I large know. client. That's I know, they, they were a previous client of ours. We actually um, recently uh, lost them, unfortunately, but um, they were a client with us when they were, you know, I think 10 million revenue, and then they were a client with us when they were at a billion dollar valuation. So again, it's like those types of companies partnering with them early, and then helping them grow and scale, obviously that's- I think they recently quadrupled in value. I know, I mean, they, what they're doing is great, so. But um, but yeah, again, it's, it's really just understanding our clients, being able to relate to them, which I felt like there was a lack of knowledge into what the actual business models were. And that's why I felt like they were being misrepresented in the market, so they couldn't find quality coverage at an affordable rate. So that's what we've, I think, differentiated ourselves as well. And we, we were talking about this before we got on the mics. Yeah. Um, that just have to do with like their, the, the insurance company's inability to properly evaluate the, the, the policies. They, they didn't know how to, how to yeah. price it. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's definitely tough because with these emerging technologies, there's not a lot of loss history. By loss history, I mean like claims, right? So. You don't know what a potential suit or claim could be for a fintech company that's, you know, or an on-demand. So the loss history, the data behind it is what carriers use primarily to price out premiums, right? You're, sense, you're essentially hedging a bet. You're saying, I want to I wanna charge this premium, hoping that I don't have to pay out a claim that supersedes the investment that I get year over year from that client, right? It's very much an investment. Um, and you know, they underwrite it the same way as somebody who's picking a stock. They want to know that that company's going to do well, have no claims and they're there in the event that happens, but they collect that premium. Right. And if you have an industry that's very, very new, you don't have that history to properly assess the risk. Right. So that's where it gets a little shaky and it's definitely difficult, but you know, we've really done our research and found um, a few solid like insurance carrier partners that have been willing to take risks with us and uh, it's been great. So, you know, there's definitely certain certain lines of business that are still very difficult to, yeah. to find policies for. Like, um, you know, I know we mentioned a little bit like blockchain, crypto, cannabis, um, and these were the ride share. These yeah. were the rapid rapid growth high risk industries. We have a whole section on this. Yeah. We're, we're, we're talking about this right yeah. today, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. So uh, blockchain, you know, we, we, me, Chris, we love blockchain. We love crypto. We love what the disruptive uh, foundational 
technology that it is, the capabilities, uh, yeah, that, all that stuff, all the good stuff. Um, but it's super, it's super, it's, I mean, it's not super easy to ignore. You can't deny the fact that stuff like blockchain, stuff like cannabis is super hard to represent to insurers. It's a super yeah. high risk thing to do. What, what, what has been Founder Shield's uh, approach to actually being able to come forward and best represent uh, crypto, cannabis, like these high risk? Yeah, I think it's, um, again, I think it's, you know, selling the companies to those carriers. I think it's very much so finding the markets that will be willing to take that risk as well. Um, you know, actually from a risk standpoint, cannabis right now is much less than, you know, crypto. Um, crypto has just been, you know, I'm sure you've seen it in the news. There's just not a lot of great press about it. There's been like fraud with ICOs and it's just definitely a difficult space. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty into the viability. There's a lot of regulations coming out in December and January that will definitely play into that, um, hopefully favorably. But for right now, I think it's more so the uncertainty with, because it's not regulated, right? I mean, that's the whole premise of it. It's an unregulated, you know, free market. Wow. So, exactly. So, you know, but there's definitely, it's funny because you have ICOs like that are everybody and their mother can purchase a coin, but then you also have very sophisticated private placements that are very much organized, you know, very professionally done. So it's, it's the full gamut, but I think, you know, we've, we've definitely found success, um, with those companies. Again, you know, it's definitely not cheap. Um, it's, you, you kind of pay for what you get and the insurance carriers kind of know where to price it, but, um, we've definitely found success. Um, we've actually structured a product coverage for ICOs that I don't know if really anybody else is doing to get like, it's called directors and officers insurance for ICO coverage. So um, typically a DNO lawsuit will come from like outside shareholders, yes. right? So if that's for like misrepresentation, misappropriation of funds, basically mismanaging the company and that leads to a devaluation shareholder suit, right? Like you see it like Elon Musk right now. Yeah, market, perfect right? example. Class action lawsuit, there's regulatory proceedings against him from the SEC for stock manipulation. That's like a prototypical DNO suit. Um, where it's difficult is getting that coverage for ICOs. And because again, it's just very unregulated. There's so many people purchasing these coins. Um, there's just been a lot of bad press about fraud with these ICOs. So it's very difficult, but we've been able to structure this type of policy that, you know, again, um, we've, uh, it's actually been unfortunate a few times companies have come to us after they've done it and we're like, you already did it. We can't insure the past, but you know, if you came to us before, we do have a product. But again, it is expensive. Um, you know, it's it's a six figure premium. Not gonna shy away from it, but yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, if you look at the the claims and what the um, outcomes, I mean, these are low frequency, very very high value claims. So right. it's you know, it's, it's very difficult. Again, it's a, it's a very, very tough policy to get for clients, but we have been successful where I think other people couldn't even get a quote. So, you know, and uh, definitely pride ourselves on that. Yeah, like when you, when we really look at the landscape of crypto, like, like you said, not a lot of great press. Yep. And a lot of that comes from obvious fraud, obvious uh, mismanagement all across the board, but there are obviously very good products out there. 100%. So they, they obviously do need this, this better representation. They need 
I mean, something's better than nothing. And what you guys provide is obviously not just something. Yeah. It's, it's a real way to provide valuable insurance to these companies that have real products. Yeah. And, and insurance really is like, it's funny because you hope you never use it, right? And we totally understand that. But where what it allows you to do is go to sleep at night, rest assured that you got something in your back pocket if something were to happen. And it allows a company to grow and scale without, you know, tiptoeing, right? You can kind of operate how you want, obviously not being a fool, but you, you, you know that you have protection behind you. And I think that's the most important thing is knowing that you can operate somewhat freely to grow and scale your business, knowing that you have that coverage behind you, I think is probably the most important thing. Right, and excuse my ignorance, but yeah. um, does the policy uh, scale along with the business or how does that work? Yeah, so so year over year policies renew. So essentially every year um, client comes back to us. Actually, what's, what's great about our platform too is typically year over year, you'd have to complete a new application. Right. Um, and what we have done is our application that's um, obviously web-based has all the data from the previous year. So you log back into your existing account, edit it where necessary, update and submit. So it's literally the most amount that you have to do on the front end is like a 20 minute application. And then year over year, it's five minutes because you just have to plug and play where, where changes need to be made. So, right. but so year over year we have, um, we actually have, so I'm on the new business team. I service accounts for the first year. And then again, to maintain that client service element, we actually have a team that's dedicated to renewals. So they help our clients year over year grow and scale, increasing limits of insurance. So, you know, a year, a client grows, you know, 2X in their revenue, they get a series A that, you know, now they just got investment for like $6 million. They have to increase their limits of their DNO policy. All of these things, um, you know, we're, well-versed in handling, um, you know, obviously just in constant communication with clients to see where they're at with their business. And, you know, we can, it doesn't have to be year over year as well. If there's major changes during the policy period, you know, we can handle that as well. So uh, again, it's just being in communication with our clients, you know, myself personally, I know our account executive check in with existing clients every month or so, just to say, hey, hope all is well, any major developments, you know, let me know if you want to jump on the call. And just making sure that you're staying with those clients, you know, year over year, month over month, to make sure there's no gaps. Nice. And who do you typically uh, deal with um, in terms of uh, decision makers from other organizations? Is this yeah. something that the operate like CIO handles down or like who? Yeah, it's usually it's usually the CEO, CFO, or COO. Um, some of the larger companies we deal with will have like a risk manager or controller, um, but usually it's the the C level employees, which is. You know, really cool because you're dealing yeah. with day-to-day decision makers who are obviously very, very passionate about what they're doing. So, and have the best knowledge base about what they're doing. So, dealing with them, you know, you're getting it right from the source. So, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, definitely. That goes back to what you were saying about uh, just niche uh, industry knowledge about their their businesses. Yep. So you definitely get feel like you definitely have a a, a varied um, you know industry knowledge database in your head, man. I'm looking at all these companies yeah. and. Just amazing. Looking at Ecom, Helix. What, what? I feel like I've heard of Helix, Chris. Have you heard of Helix? It's on the back of my head. I've been trying to think about it for a minute. What do you guys do, Helix? I'm just looking at some of these logos. Like bigger. Oh, oh, cannabis, man. We we have to talk about cannabis. That just, Absolutely. It just popped up, man. And, uh, you know, you did mention it's it's lower risk than um, ICOs. Is that just because you guys see an impending uh, positive 
regulation for yeah i mean you just see it trending in the right direction right i mean more and more states have made it legal um i think it's a matter of time because it it comes you know nationwide Uh, it's just trending that way i think that the government can make a lot of money off taxing it and that's what you know obviously those states are doing look at look at colorado they had to pay people back in taxes just based on how that is so you are completely correct yeah positive trending so 100 percent and um and these are, you know, it's not like when you deal with these companies, it's not like you're whatever you think, like your everyday like pot dealer. These are very, very sophisticated people that know exactly what they're doing, exactly what their product is. And it's unbelievable, actually. Um, you know, we do everything from grow operations to, you know, CBD products. Um, CBD products have been huge um, recently and also, you know, directors and officers insurance for those companies because there has been, you know, in the news actually, you know, pretty recently, um, you know, regulatory action against some cannabis companies, which, you know, isn't great, but, you know, overall from, from a, like overall standpoint, like those grow operations, insuring those products, I mean, it's coverage called like general liability. So it's basically third party bodily injury, um, property damage, but primarily for cannabis is bodily injury as a result of your products that you're selling. So, right, somebody, right. yeah, like internal, yeah, exactly. Okay, so, okay. if someone takes a product, gets really sick, you know, injured, God forbid, dies, sues that company, that's where GL coverage is. And like, what you can also do is ensure the grows themselves, and that's like obviously, you know, sometimes millions and millions of dollars of property value. So, being able to ensure that and these grow facilities, I mean, are you know, half an acre to an acre, like they're massive, right? So being able to ensure that whole element as well um, is very, very interesting, very appealing. And I think that, you know, cannabis, again, like crypto, it's just difficult because at the end of the day, it comes with regulations, right? Right now, it's just very unregulated. Cannabis is starting to trend in the right direction. Hopefully, you know, in the next five years, it's nationwide legal and you know i think that you know we're starting to be on the forefront of it we actually have a division it's called alpha root so we have founder shield um alpha root and then we actually have igloo health igloo health is our health and benefits side okay um, so that's anywhere from you know employer like healthcare plans benefits um and then we have alpha root which is our cannabis division that solely focuses on cannabis and agriculture um, so we're definitely branding ourselves the right way. We want to stay in front of it and, you know, continue to service that industry. Yeah. And I know, um, cannabis, there's a lot of, um, back and forth between Canada just because it's our, it's yeah. our you know, little brother here in uh, North America. <laughs> and, um, is there, is there, you know, some sort of, uh, discrepancies in terms of policies when you guys deal with those companies, if you guys, if you guys deal with yeah. Canadian companies? No, we've definitely, I mean, we definitely dealt with Canadian companies, um, from my understanding, it's pretty much legal in Canada, so it's definitely a, a little easier. Okay. Um, again, it just really depends on state, the regulations as to how hard it is. Um, but from from Canada, from, from a global standpoint, the US is by far the most litigious place in the entire world. Really? Um, yeah, so it's actually very interesting what I've learned is you know, in most parts of Europe, if you bring a frivolous lawsuit, like a patent troll, right? Yeah. Just brings a frivolous lawsuit. If the judge basically says, you know, 
this entire suit was frivolous, you know, you're just trying to earn a quick buck, you would be on the hook for the for the defendant's um, lawyer fees and court costs, right? So it's very, very prohibitive. Whereas in the US, everybody and their mother can sue one another and you're on the hook for your fees, I'm on the hook for mine, but if I win, you know, obviously I get money. So that's why the US is very, very litigious. I think it's also, you know, a cultural thing, you know. For sure. US is much more, you know, high strong and on edge than, you know, European countries. So that comes with the territory, but, you know, placing policies in Canada, again, it's something that we do much less litigious. Um, so the US is definitely um, the most interesting and difficult. Um, and it's interesting too, because we work with a lot of international companies and sometimes they'll have blatant exclusions for you know claims made in the US. Um, so you have to get a US-based policy for that. So um, wow. it's definitely interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we deal with a ton of international companies as well, which is always fun. Like some of the phone calls when you're trying to schedule someone with, you know, <laughs> in Australia, that's like <laughs> 20, yeah, yeah. 12 hours behind you. But other than that, it's it's definitely fun. It's great exposure. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine anyone talk, wanting to talk about insurance policies at like, you know, in the midnight. I know, it's awesome. Do you guys, do you guys uh, go, go to the countries themselves or is there some sort of... No, so, so we actually have a ton of partnerships. Like we, so like if you don't, um, like we work with a lot of local brokers in London itself. Um, you know, Lloyd's of London is essentially this gigantic exchange conglomerate of um, these syndicates that provide insurance coverage. So we have a ton of partnerships in Lloyd's of London, you know, essentially where like the birth of insurance was. Um, so Lloyd's of London. What a quick fact for you listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of like the first like exchange essentially of like, you know, actual like insurance industry being born. So, um, but, and we go through them a lot with, you know, we work with clients in Israel, Australia, you know, all different parts of Europe. And sometimes it gets complicated when they have US subsidiaries, but European parent companies, and it can definitely be very interesting and, and difficult to structure, but it's, uh, it's I, I definitely like working with international clients as well. Nice. Thinking about like just like what you said before, just like how much red tape that sometimes you have to go here yeah. in the United States. Do you have any uh, like what what industries do you see like the most red tape coming from, or is it overall just like it, it's blanket? Yeah, I would say I would say the the higher like like claim heavy spaces, like more like regulatory proceedings, is like you know obviously we talked about like uh, cannabis fintech is very much like red tape. Um, you know, in terms of like regulation, like software as a service is pretty straightforward. Um, the ride share TNC market is definitely very, very difficult. Um, you know, for a company even to operate in that space, they have to be licensed with the TNC in that specific state. They have to have certain levels of insurance before even operating, you know, in order to get insurance. They have to provide background checks on all of their drivers. They have to do criminal background checks, MVR reporting. Like it's difficult to get, you know, and it's a lot of information gathering because again, like I mentioned, like the insurance carrier is taking a risk. They're investing in that company. So they want to make sure that they have all the proper risk mitigation features, you know, making sure that all the drivers are vetted, you know, good citizens, no criminal background. Um, you know, making sure all their terms of service 
tracking capabilities, right? Yeah. You know, they have to be able to log in how many miles they're doing. There's different periods within the ride share. So there's period one where there is no activity that that driver's just logged on, right? And then somebody pings them, you request an Uber. Okay, I'm your Uber driver. I'm on the way to pick you up. That's period two. And then period three is I have the individual in my car. So there's like all these different periods within the ride share space. Each one from an insurance perspective is assessed a different rate. It's, uh, it's definitely, you know, from a, you know, like you said, like a tape difficulty, um, the ride share space again is, I would say probably most difficult with cannabis. Uh, right. How, how, what would be a, an example of the uh, ride share with cannabis? No, I'm just saying, so like, can, like, like, like ride-sharing and cannabis. Oh, yeah. ride-sharing and cannabis. I was like, ride-sharing yeah. cannabis. Yeah. They, we got to do There are some tours in Colorado, a client of mine, they do cannabis tours. Really? Yeah. 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 Fly. So yeah. hot, hot box tours, guys. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, yeah. We try getting commercial auto insurance for uh, when they're hot box on cars. It's, not, oh, the, it's, not, yeah. it's definitely not the easiest thing, so. But, uh, yeah. you know. That, that might be a, that might be a business model like the, the chauffeur would be just you know sectioned off that's yeah so that was the thing so the guy <laughs> was like didn't have the proper like they were like you know it's very like insurance carriers were like do you have a proper fumigation system for the cannabis like you know marijuana going into it and it's like it's kind of funny because you know then you're on the other end with the cannabis guy and he's just the complete polar opposite of the insurance carrier it's just us there to mitigate both sides to understand the client, but also, you know, we have to play into the insurance carrier's hands because they're the ones providing the quote. So right. it's, they're not trying to mess around. They're not trying to mess around. So yeah, I can imagine that. Conversation. So my client telling the insurance carrier that secondhand smoke is not a real thing was not helpful. <laughs> yeah. but definitely. Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, we're, we're definitely able to do it. Um, and, uh, it's fun being able to navigate both sides. And honestly, what's great about our clientele base is much, much so down to earth people. Um, really, you know, a lot of similarities. You can talk to them just like we're doing here. Um, not really, again, wearing suit and ties every day, very right. stiff and, you know, very, very educated, smart people driven, know what they're doing too. So it's really, really enjoy working with our client base. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Chris, do you have any, uh, any questions about the cannabis or ride sharing? <laughs> <laughs> nah, but I'm pretty sure we covered all our topics that we really wanted to hammer through yeah. today. Yeah. What we did, what we did want to ask you, um, and this is an important question: What do you think the future looks like for foundership? Yeah, I mean, uh, we talk about this all the time, and uh, what's really cool is like Benji and Carl. They'll have these things that are, you know, once a quarter. It's ask me anything, and uh, the entire company literally blast them with all these questions and they take it. And then, you know, one thing I asked and, you know, what I'm a little worried about is keeping to get, keeping the culture that we have as we grow and scale, because we are going to, it's inevitable. Um, and I think maintaining that is definitely one of our goals and just making sure everybody's still tight in, we're a family. But, um, I mean, you know, we want to be one of the big players. Um, you know, we want to, be up there with, you know, the Marshes, Aeons, Willis, and, um, you know, we're starting to, it's funny because, you know, when we first started out, we would be losing clients, you know, before they even raised the round of funding. And now, you know, sometimes what happens is an investor says, well, I have a broker at this agency and potentially we'll lose them. But now it's at like 
series C and D, right? So we're holding, we're retaining clients longer and longer and, you know, building that trust or a bigger, you know, name in the market now. Um, so I think, you know, we're just going to continue to grow and um, really excited for the future and what that holds. But, you know, that's our ultimate goal is to just, you know, play with the bigger players and we aspire to do that and, you know, work our butt offs every day to, to accomplish that. Definitely. Yeah. Guys, this was Eric Schneider from Founder Shield. Yeah. Eric, we greatly appreciate you having on Black Party. I learned so much awesome today. I yeah, actually learned a lot more than that. I appreciate yeah. it, guys. Thanks for having me. Seriously. All right, man. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. That's right. I appreciate it. Right. Awesome, guys. This has been the Founder Shield episode. I'd like to thank Eric Schneider for appearing on the podcast with us today. He's been an amazing guest. You can find Founder Shield and their journey via their website and blog at www.foundershield.com. This has been a Block Party production. We hope you enjoyed our content because we do this for you. We appreciate you listening to this episode of Block Party. Make sure you follow us on Spotify, iTunes Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and wherever you listen. If you're more visual, make sure you check out our episodes on YouTube and subscribe to our content. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to get behind the scenes with our guests and us in the lab. Make sure to leave us comments, suggestions, likes, and feedback for future episodes so that we can continue to improve and bring you better content. And as always, thank you and welcome to the blog.